Hey, Sober Family, welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast where we're learning to love ourselves instead of booze. To be curious about yourself. Uh, I think this is sobriety leaning or, or focused, and I think in all things, especially underlined twice, especially in sobriety, um, we need to be introspective. And if we spend too much time on the external, whether that be things around us or what other people think about us, um, it can really put a stop on personal growth and personal growth does never stop. On this episode, Al and I are welcoming a man of many talents. He's a writer, musician, counselor, a fine beverage connoisseur, and a podcaster. Justin Lamb is the host of the Friend Request podcast, where he has in-depth interviews with interesting people to create more meaningful conversations about the full spectrum of human experience, including addiction, trauma, and sober living. And it's an honor to have him in the studio today. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. And I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries, and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, is Al K. Halfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety and my handsome co-host. What's up, Al? Today's episode is a special full-length unedited interview, something that I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye premium subscribers get on a regular basis, well ahead of the edited public release. And that's just one of six perks that premium members get for only $6 a month. To learn about all of the benefits, follow the link to supercast.com in the show notes, and you can join in just a couple of quick clicks. Regardless of whether you join or not, though, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this uncut interview. I want to welcome Justin to the show. And... So I'll just do the, um, do you have any questions before we get started? No, I'm good. Um, yeah, I know you do this a lot. I mean, I'm just going to probably just lead off with the standard, you know, ask you to just kind of tell us more about your sober journey, if that's okay. I know that's yeah. kind of generic, but yeah, no, and then just uh, let it go. Let wherever it... you would like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we'll just kind of like see where it goes. Cause you know, I listened to your, um, your six month uh, bonus. I think it was a bonus episode about alcohol. And um, it was interesting. You did a very similar um, six month reflection sort of episode. It was what I did a, like a month ago or about three weeks ago. I did an episode where I hit six months and I was talking yeah. about how much different life is without alcohol. And I know that's been a couple of years ago now for you, right? You're like yeah. two and a half years. I, uh, I hit three. three in June. Okay. So you're just over three. That's right. Yeah. Cause you're, you started your podcast in, uh, what 2019 so oh my gosh and you're a hundred some episodes in and it's, it's got to be exciting it's it's crazy to me <laughs> it's, it blows my mind yeah <laughs> well i i love your show and how um i i don't know you just have got this kind of like warm inviting sort of uh safe safe might be the word that i use to describe you when i listen to you i feel like i'm in yeah. a safe space and so like you know congrats you. to you on creating a a pod that's got a vibe like that, because that's kind of what I, I'm aiming for where people feel like they're just listening to someone talk, you know, yeah. like, like they're part of the convert or they're just privy to a conversation. So yeah, yeah you've done a great job with it, man. Thank you so much. And I'm honored that, uh, you know, that I'm so glad Katie Mack mentioned you as well, because yeah. like, I don't think I would have found your show because it doesn't have, I like, I went through and did the standard, like, um, search for sober podcast or alcohol for, what does it have yeah. like keyword in the, 
in the titles, but there are other like gems like yours that aren't really hidden gems. I just would not maybe have found it because so right, it comes up a lot. It comes up a lot, but it doesn't um it doesn't play as big a theme in the overall. And I try, you know, I had an idea in the beginning of like where I wanted to narrow my focus. And I found the more people I talked to, the more excluding that would be. Mm. So I just I didn't do that. And I just decided to stick with like the general, you know, everybody has a story to tell, even though when you approach people about them, they really never believe they do. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I've proven that wrong time and time again. And so I, yeah, sobriety has come up many times because it is people that I know, you know, and I'm sober. And so you have a network like that and you find, you know, there's also kids that play D and D on my podcast. Cause I play D and D like this. You, you kind of, you, <laughs> go towards what you what you know and what you are uh associate with so there are similarities between my interest in that but i try not to narrow down the the field of, of guests just to fit those those bubbles and it's good that you've done that too well and because the way i'm going to introduce you is as a man of many talents you know i'm going to say he's you know uh Justin Lamb's a writer, a musician, a counselor, a fine beverage connoisseur, and a, and a, a sober podcaster. But maybe sober podcaster is not the right label. Maybe it's just podcaster, and I mean, you just happen to be a podcaster, and I'm sober. So. A podcaster who's sober. <laughs> However, you yeah. want to word that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. <laughs> but I don't want to pigeonhole you down into that. But it's just it's been cool to start to be six months into podcasting now because I started this about a month into being sober. It was yeah. mostly as an accountability. Uh, method for myself like i'm a big extrovert so it's very super extroverted to go like hey i'm gonna start a fucking podcast that's yeah. like i'm sober and so now if i fuck this up then i have to tell you I know relate every- to that very much <laughs> yeah no it, and but you know it's that's not a bad thing um, no it, it's, and, it's uh, just different it's yeah. it's just i married my complete opposite and i don't know how Addie puts up with me because she's like as introverted as i am extroverted and neither one is better than the other or worse i, I just i think extroverts get the most attention and so it ends up extroverts tend to get praised more and i'm like oh thank god for my introverted wife who teaches me so much and who helps me i i don't know why i'm rambling about the introvert extrovert thing but it just it, yeah it's, i'm biting my tongue because i'm gonna i, I want to dive into all these things but i'm like save it for his episode no 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 well and i may just use some of this you know what whatever i'll just do the introduction here and then i'll go back and probably piece this stuff together and by the way this will probably air quickly i had Perfect. someone that i was going to have on and air her episode today so if i can find time i may just be editing this and like putting it out okay. um so you know, not that it probably matters to you, but I thought I'd just throw that out there to you that if you're okay with it, it's probably going to go out tonight. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be awesome. That's, that's super quick turnaround. I've I've only done that once when I was like, uh, I mean, I don't don't know how many of these you've had so far, but I I would get, you know, no shows or uh, ghosted, which is really weird because the premise of my show is uh generally speaking it's like i already know you to some degree yeah yeah it's strange to get ghosted by those people because like (laughs) what's what's going on here um and it it was very difficult and took a long time to come to the point where i didn't hold that as a grudge Uh, gotcha the first few people that ghosted me uh, i was like how cool i don't know you now (laughs) like (laughs) um (laughs) And I've, I, I like to think I've grown past that because 
you know, part of part of sobriety and, and especially part of like uh, my desire to be a, a therapist and a counselor is, you know, understanding that people have other shit going on and right uh, you you have to it's to some degree give people the benefit of the doubt not not discounting boundaries but i uh, struggle with that too and i thankfully have not been ghosted yet like but that would bother that would really bother me like and i'm sure it's gonna happen so i'm glad you said that that'll I help me like prep myself yeah <laughs> to not not take it not take it too personally but well and it's it's and I, I promise I'll stop rambling so you can intro. You're but, good. Uh, You're good. I may just uh, say hell with it and air the episode as is. I don't care. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, um, and I think you'll probably get this even more than I do, being like, you know, sobriety can be a sensitive subject because depending on how you got sober and what kind of judgments you might feel in that space and whether it's like something you live out loud or not. But uh, I've had people that I've been super interested in talking to because they have been so forthright like in social media about like stuff they've been going through and yeah um then you realize in discussing like i i tend to do a little like conversation with people uh, asking them if they want to be on the show and everything and there's people that have you know i don't know if it's obvious or not to me i recognize that like oh they're not ready to talk like they're still yeah. in it yeah you know you can't you can't ask someone to dive deep into what they've gone through if they're still going through it yeah um, at least not in this setting you shouldn't and even if that person wants to do it like i'm big on external validation something i'm trying to get away from but that's one of the things like if someone asked me to talk about some issue that's terrible right now the previous version of myself would be like hell yeah because then like <laughs> someone will listen to it and exactly someone will, like text me and tell me oh hey it's gonna be fine but in reality, like, oh, I should probably process this by myself before I like make a freaking show about it. And I'm rep and well, and I'm wrestling with that too because you know sobriety is. I, I'm I'm er so early in it. I mean, I'm such a baby, and you know, I'm not even at All seven right. months, and so it's like I'm I'm almost necessarily in the middle of it, and so I have to be careful about what I what I process and how and through. I kind of yeah. experienced this before as a former minister and a preacher, you know, like you're not supposed to be working out your theology and when in the pulpit while you're preaching, you're not supposed yeah. to be figuring out. And so I feel like in some ways I'm, I'm kind of figuring out the, the podcasting. So, so, and, you know, and I've woven all these things together too, right. I, yeah. part of my identity now is uh, my self identity and my public identity is podcaster or whatever. And how do I make sure that those things don't get unhealthily intertwined. And so that the extrovert in me doesn't like take over and just overdo everything. Like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to process things on my own. And that's the part of sobriety. That's the hardest for me is you really have to sit with yourself because yeah. like, you just, you can't, you, you, it, it has to, it, I need other people, but it's, but it starts and ends with me and I have to be okay with who I am or else. Yeah. How can I, I'll, yeah. I'll tell you just, and I don't know if this is advice or not, but please. Um, so in my, show you mentioned the six month episode I did on alcohol I uh I did an episode at two years and I did an episode at three years and okay. having those recorded and something I can go back and listen to and then I was interviewed by some of my own guests came back to interview me and that all got spliced together and listening to that it's I, I got this feeling of, of what I imagine like the podcast guest gets which is 
it's really it's not a life story necessarily right it's a slice of time it's mm. this it's how i feel in this moment um like how what's going on in this moment and that's going to change and evolve i didn't feel the same yesterday i'm not going to feel the same way tomorrow but as i feel like as long as you take it that way it's fine but if you do that and you feel like oh that's in stone and now i have to like build my identity around what this recorded version of me is uh, from a week ago or a month ago or a year ago yeah uh, it can really send you spiraling instead of accepting it as just like oh this is it's like a online journal entry that you can reference back yeah. to so it's not it's not necessarily who you are but it, it it's just a slice of time from your life yeah and it's almost like a you know when i started the instagram thing before just before starting the podcast i figured well this can be a sober a sobriety journal of sorts and a way to go back and look at and in that case real snapshots but also videos in there too but here also with my own as i'm interviewing people and then when i do the the handful of solo episodes here and there i can go back and listen to them as you know that was me at that point in time and it's not who i yeah not play not using it in a way to place undue pressure on myself to yeah, exactly. be or not be a certain anything i'm glad you like, said that i have an old podcast i did before a friend request called, right <laughs> uh modern beers and 90s nostalgia and i would review beers and talk about 90s pop culture and there's some episodes that i'm just fucking shit faced on um yeah. and there is definitely <laughs> a part of me that's like do I want to take this down? And there's a couple episodes. My wife is like, you should really take that down. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, that's, that's like, that's who I was at that time, you know? And, uh, and I was having fun and there's, you know, there's not any episode where I'm like all of a sudden falling apart and like, I decided yeah. to edit it and put it out anyway, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, there's definitely episodes I'm slurring my speech and like trying to talk about mall rats or empire records or something. And, <laughs> and that's fine. Like it doesn't bother me and it's, it's just this like slice of, of, of time. And, uh, and it, plus it still gets a reasonable number of downloads, which blows my mind. So which I just is... leave it up there. Uh, it's cool funny. that you left it up. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was curious about that. Having listened to your six month episode and how you were, you know, part of your story is that, and maybe we can start there or just continue yeah. this here and I can record the intro at the end, yeah, or, you, you know, on my own, like, this is good. I'd like to just keep this going. And, you know, I love how you kind of wrestled with, there was sort of this transitional period, if I'm remembering correctly, where like you had started to, like you had the liver issues and like, you have to stop drinking, but then you didn't for a while. And then when that, when the liver stuff came back, you're like, Oh, thank goodness. I've got an, you know, like I've, I've got an external reason telling me not to drink because I know I will keep drinking, but do I still keep doing this podcast? And I've still got these beers in my, in my fridge. And like, I, I love that part. So maybe tell me about that transitional yeah. period. I, I think, and, and that's, I think a good thing to point out too, because I didn't have what I would call like a bottom. Right. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they think of sobriety, especially if they have zero desire to become sober, they don't have any issues with alcohol they look at people that get sober. Oh, something must have happened. Yeah. You know, like DUI or uh, infidelity or whatever that looks like to each person. They think some tragic giant thing. And sometimes that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I have, I have plenty of friends that woke up in a hospital and the doctor was like, if you drink again, you're going to die. Yeah. And that's like, yeah, that is, that sucks. Um, and what a reason to quit drinking. Right. Sure. But 
I, I had, I definitely had a health issue where I had an autoimmune disease and um, they wanted to see if they could kind of curb its, its spreading or tamper it down. Um, so they put me on an immunosuppressant, but there was two things involved there. One, they couldn't put me on the drug until I had a clean liver function test. And they did that test and it showed that I had like a slightly fatty liver. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, and, and I was definitely, you know, I love my IPAs and I was, I traveled for work at the time. So I was drinking plenty. And, uh, so I had to get that down. So, you know, I upped the broccoli and lowered the alcohol, um, and got my liver test in order and then found out like I couldn't drink while I was on the immunosuppressant drug and I had to be on it for six months. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not drinking for six months because kind of freaked me out because the, the autoimmune disease I have, it's called sarcoidosis. And at the time this was detected in my lungs and it was stage two, stage four is fibrosis, which essentially like your lungs are dead now. Um, yeah. So really like scared the shit out of me. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like whatever, you know, medication I have to take, quit drinking. Like, yeah, I can quit drinking for six months, but it means I can live the rest of my life. So I, I did that, but I had, I had no intention at the time to quit drinking. Um, I, I stockpiled beers for the podcast we mentioned that I used to have. <laughs> I, I loved finding limited edition beers. I'm a big fan of like the, the crazy labels like that's I'm one of those people that I'll buy a beer because the label is cool. Oh uh, yeah. Um, because I, I don't know. I like the artwork and stuff. And sometimes that's a huge fail and the beer is terrible. Uh, <laughs> and, and sometimes it works out. Uh, but that was, so I just would buy these limited edition, stupid barrel aged bullshit beers. I, and I would just, I filled my fridge with them over this, uh, what ended up being five months uh, period. And then the, the day came where I wasn't on that drug anymore. And I was able to drink again. And I hadn't really like, I was grappling with it in my own head because that was the longest I hadn't drank since I started drinking. And that will bring stuff up for you, whether you want to get sober or not. I mean, I'm sure you could talk to any woman that's been pregnant uh, and talk about the the clarity of thought you might get in that period of time where you're not drinking, right? Yeah. And I say that because that's whenever you ask that question, that's typically the, the caveat. If you ask anybody, like, what's the longest you ever not drank? It's usually a woman that's pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um People don't typically just take breaks from alcohol. It's very strange when you think about it. <laughs> so take breaks from like everything. But so that I, I, I really wrestled with drinking again, but I didn't say that to anybody. I didn't say that to my wife. And so my wife was like, Hey, you got those beers. You finally get to drink them. She was all excited for me because I was excited about them when I bought them. And yeah. Uh, and so I did. And the first one I drank was this double IPA that, or like a barrel aged IPA, something like stupid 14% or some bullshit in a 22 ounce bottle. Yeah. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. Uh. <laughs> and I, I drank it and part of me was like, yeah, beer again. Um, but then there, there was this underlying like level of shame that came along with it. Like something in me was like, Ooh, you could have not done this. Mm. <laughs> and and I, and I felt like, and I, you go right back into it, right? Like any uh, addiction counselor will tell you, you, you pick up where you left off. You know, yeah. you could be sober for 10 years, but if you drink a case of beer the day you got sober, you can still drink a case of beer the day you start drinking again. Yep. You yep. pick up where you left off. So I, and that's what I did. I, I went right back into it, you know, getting my, my six packs and hiding beers in the bathroom and all that fun stuff. And my 
uh, levels, not my liver levels, but like a different blood test they do to check that autoimmune disease got elevated again. They wanted to put me on the prescription again. And this time I was finally like, I don't think I'm going to come back to drinking after that. And so I kind of like did a little farewell tour, which typically I don't recommend the whole last hurrah thing can be a very stupid, dangerous thing. I did that. Um, yeah. I, I had a lot of things coming up from my calendar. I had a vacation out West with my wife. I was going to a, literally a beer and punk music festival in Columbus <laughs> where you are. That's right. Um, I, yeah. I didn't find and, out about this festival until I was sober, but yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and I, uh, I was going to Comic-Con, um, which was a whole other story where I ended up like driving around Polly shore. Um, and which actually ended up working out that I was sober at that point. But th this is all to say, like, so I kind of planned it out and we were moving out. This is a huge thing. And I think I cannot say this enough. I don't think people get it. Um, we were moving out of my old house the week that I quit drinking. So June 24th is the day I quit drinking. We've been out of my house for four weeks at that point. We were staying at my mom's in between our two houses because they were between closing dates and, you know, just all that bullshit. Yeah. So um, the house that I lived in prior that I built a bar in, that I did all those beer podcasts in, I was never there again. And people think about uh, their friends that are triggers, right? You got your friend that like, you guys just get wasted together. Uh, they think about uh, events, weddings, stuff like that, that might be triggers. But the location, and I'm, I'm not saying everybody needs to sell their house if they want to get sober, but <laughs> there's a lot to be said about that location trigger. Um, because you're in a place where this is something you've always done here. And even when you're just bored and sitting there, which can sometimes be the biggest trigger, it is for me, boredom is the worst. Um, that that surroundings that you're in can change everything. So maybe it's just like a new paint color or new furniture or something, mm -hmm. but changing that location. Because like the house I'm in now, I've never drank in this house. Uh, there's no room in this house where I have some sort of faded memory of like being wasted or saying something stupid. Or I mean, don't get me wrong. I say stupid shit all the time <laughs> while I was drunk. <laughs> and there's there's something really liberating about that and i don't know if it would have been and i struggle to say the word easy but i don't know if it would have been more difficult if i would have been in the other house still doing this yeah so it's that's that's been huge and now yeah it's been a little over three years and so far so good <laughs> what's been the biggest challenge for you as you've come out of the um out of the initial part of sobriety as you've gone into sort of extended veteran like you know grizzled maybe not grizzled veteran status of like <laughs> 15 20 years but i mean to me where you're at is where i'm kind of aspiring to be and be able to envision myself being a couple or three years in, because when I first started, it's like, Oh, shit, how can I make it three weeks, you know, let alone three months or three years. But now that I'm at six or seven months, I'm like, okay, I know, I know I can, but I'm trying to like, think of myself more and envision it. Um, I don't know if it's a manifestation sort of thing or yeah. whatever, but trying to positively think forward. What do you think are some of the things that have helped you in the last or, or been challenges for you in the last well, couple of years? I think first, I think that's a double-edged sword of, of imagining like what does my future sober self look like because yeah. i mean there's a reason that most programs say like 
one day at a time. Right. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. um, sometimes it is a struggle that day. And sometimes like focusing on that future. I mean, I've been down on myself enough times to know, like there's versions of me where I'm like, that's just never going to happen. And then I'll yeah. go give up on it. And yeah. if that thing is sobriety, that's a pretty big thing to give up on. So I, I think that can be a double-edged sword thinking about that. And the, I think the fucked up thing about sobriety in, in, in the world of sober people, long-term recovery is 10 years or more. And so that's fucked up to think about. Like, yeah. I, I don't know even how to wrap my head around that. Um, it's not something I, I like stress out about, but it's also, it's, it's strange to me to think that recovery and sobriety is going to be something so important in my life still 10 years after I, uh, okay. Uh, and I know that isn't the same narrative for everybody. Some people, when they get sober, like that is, that is it. That's who they are. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people, friends that like started different coaching stuff, like, resources um and that's you know if you do aa i think that's a big piece of that where it's lifelong and right giving back and um but sorry to circle back to your question it's i feel really lucky that i haven't struggled too much uh and i I credit that 100 percent to uh being in therapy throughout the entire process because I, I was in a number of sober groups um, back in like in the beginning of the pandemic of 2020 where you hear from, you hear people and it's, it's heartbreaking and it's frustrating. And I try to like remain on the empathetic side where it's heartbreaking, but it's uh, you hear people come in every day and every day sucks, right? Every they've been sober for two years, four years, eight years. And every day, sucks and they're like oh just you know got to stay away from the bottle today and i would hear that every day and they would also talk about some of the same issues going on in their life and they're not talking to anyone about those issues so these which you know you could call triggers right like sure whether it's family stress or, or money or your job or something like that you know most of us drink and most of us that want to get sober or have to get sober drink to numb something right and if you're not figuring out what that is and addressing that, then you're always going to have that urge to want to numb it. And then every day really is a struggle because you're not actually fixing the problem. You're just removing alcohol. The reason yeah. you got to the point where you're at is still there. Like the alcohol, I don't think the alcohol is the problem. I mean, I think from a like, yeah, a big picture marketing, America culture, alcohol is a big fucking problem. But yeah, yeah. to the individual, alcohol is not the problem there's something else that you are using alcohol to not deal with and that that wasn't as much of an issue for me and there's definitely been a few times in the last three years uh that i specifically like can call out individually all of them have to do with my family (laughs) where i'm just like "Ooh, wish i was shitty right now (laughs) don't know how to fucking deal with this um you know, the same people that I struggle the most with, like having boundaries with. Um, yeah. But outside of that, it hasn't it hasn't been that that big a deal. And I, I feel a little bad saying that, but it's 100 percent because I actually did the work on myself and the stuff that was 
you know, making me want to numb to begin with the shame associated there, the, and there's still a ways to go, but the fact that I addressed that head on, um, I think made it a lot easier to remove alcohol from the equation. I think that's really helpful for me to think about, you know, I wrote down in recovery in perpetuity, like question mark, you know, is yeah. this something that we're always going to have as uh, part of our identity? And, you know, I think of our mutual friend, Katie Mack, and who is in, you know, she does AA. And yet I, I seem to remember her describing herself as being maybe, maybe I'm mixing her up with another friend of mine, but like I, she at least speaks and acts as though she is recovered. And yeah. even though she's still in, she's still in recovery in a 12 step program. She lives her life as though she's like, I, she, when I hosted her on the show, she said, I don't miss it at all. She said, I don't have, so that's why I don't think it's a bad thing to say, yeah. Oh, well, I, you know, I haven't struggled a lot. I think that's a great thing to say. I almost felt like I was supposed to struggle. And yeah. early yeah. on in the first month, I'm like, I don't have a lot of physical cravings. Does that mean that I wasn't really addicted? Did I, that I really didn't have a problem? Was I supposed to have a yeah. big grandiose story? Am I supposed to have a medical addiction? And so this is kind of a meandering response slash, I don't know what my real question is here, but just to say, I, I think, thank you, because that was helpful for me in thinking about like the therapy that I've been trying to do that I haven't been able to do because life has been so crazy with yeah. all the kind of shit that you described with like buying a house and, you know, changing jobs and grad school, which you're doing and all these other things that are some similarities in my story with yours and how I haven't been able to, I've got therapists. I've got, I've got a couple, <laughs> I've had a few actually, but, um, you Same. know, yeah. being able to get there and get to the therapy and the thing that's going to help me do that, I hope is next month I'm going to Florida with this great nonprofit called canines for warriors. I'm just pausing and hijacking our conversation briefly to Got give it. them a big shout out because, um, they do some incredible work as a nonprofit for, uh, military veterans, uh, to get a service dog. And I'm going to get a dog paired with a dog that's trained and certified as a PTSD, you know, yeah. uh, service animal. And that's hopefully going to allow me the ability to start working on some of the shit that's been going on before, because like in the last several years of being a civilian, when my drinking really became a problem uh, and shit just kept getting worse and worse, I'm trying to do therapy during it, but so much was still happening in life that I couldn't get like stabilized to where, um, where I could work on it. So that was a big, long rambling response to say, but the, yeah, there's, you, know. you know, but you point out, uh, and again, something I think we can get in pretty deep, uh, when I, when I have you on, but I, two communities that really need resources that aren't always there, right. People that are fighting some form of addiction or want to get sober, however you want to word that and yeah. veterans, right. Yeah. Like you know, I'm sure much better than I do that the lack of resources there and, and the lack of, of messaging that puts yeah. people in the place where they can actually seek out any resources that might be available. Yeah, uh, I th think the messaging is the biggest part. I think the resources are are there. But for me, when I was an army chaplain, there were all kinds of resources for soldiers and families, but they didn't they didn't know what they were or there were so many of them thrown at them all at once that it was like, you know, I get this one chance as a chaplain here, you could do this, 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 or this, and all these crazy programs that nobody knew about, uh, that are all waiting there to help serve them. I think on the veteran side, it can feel overwhelming too. When you do find 
some little pockets of help, it can feel like completely overwhelming the application process or just like the, maybe the social anxiety of getting connected with other people or wh whatever it is personally or externally that's kind of limiting veteran, but the messaging process. And then also for, um, yeah, sorry, I made Al's head turn. I, I forgot I to properly it. introduce you to Al K. Hallfree, my, my okay. spirit animal, this alcohol free, my man. When his um, head turned, I loved it. <laughs> I like accidentally yanked on his, uh, <laughs> I didn't even notice you pull it. And I just I, saw his head, like kind of taking interest in what I you were saying. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I totally, I don't know. Favorite thing ever. <laughs> this see, I got to keep the garden owl in here to keep, to keep things light when things start to get heavy. And I think that's been one thing that's helped me too, is to not take things quite so seriously, but back, back to that point, like it's all very serious, but we have to have some, some ways to keep it from being overwhelmingly serious and to the point where we don't take any action i don't know what i'm saying now like well you got you know i think you're you're correct there and that's one of the th like that's kind of the role i played when i was running sober groups um back in 2020 is like you gotta you gotta be a little light about it sometimes you know give yourself some grace laugh a little bit you know like there's so much shame involved right it's so easy to just like get in a circle of a bunch of people that just fucking hate themselves and right that sucks like don't get me wrong there's a great sense of community there and you can feel heard and uh you know not alone in a way that you might have always felt alone because of uh of drinking or, or any addiction but also like it's okay to chuckle once in a while crack yeah. a joke talk about you know your favorite candy bar or some shit that doesn't matter um like that's okay it's okay for an owl to look around and your, your tv that's that's fine um people get so so stressed out and i wanted to go back to something you said a couple times that keeps kind of you know highlighting in my brain because i i thought about it at length and that's identity and yeah. that's something that i part of it i mean a huge part of it is my personality I don't know if you follow the Enneagram at all, but I'm a, I'm a four, which means I'm just like obsessed with my identity and individualistic and no one feels how I feel, which oh, is God. not true for anybody. Um, yeah. Sounds uh, familiar for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I became getting sober was a huge, a huge eye opening thing to my identity and what it meant and what I like, you know, beer was a label for me people when they thought justin they thought beer because i had yeah. a fucking podcast about it yeah um <laughs> and i play music and people would say oh justin guitar singing um and and all this stuff that i was like oh i don't i don't like that like i don't like that when you think of me there's one thing that comes to mind i don't i, I felt like i was kind of getting boxed in by my own interests mm. um and then sobriety did the same thing to me as time went on and it became a bigger part of my life. And I started contributing to the sober curator, which is an online lifestyle magazine and uh, doing these non-alcoholic beer reviews. I, I took a pause for a second. I was like, Oh, now it's this now sobriety is part of my, and I actively try to fight against these things. Um, and, and I'm realizing recently that like none of it actually matters um, you know, like, yeah. uh, none of these things are going to be carved into my tombstone. Um, you know, if I die tomorrow, it's not just in my a musician, so <laughs> friend, like podcaster, uh, it's not, no one cares. <laughs> like 
so what if you know some guy i know from high school thinks of guitars when he thinks of me like that's fine and there's probably some people that think of like me being a fucking asshole when they think of me and that's fine too like yeah it's it's not who the rest of the world thinks i am doesn't really matter as long as i know who i am and that's a long journey that i'm not done with but that's the realization i'm coming to and i'm trying to really really trying to let go of this obsession over what my identity is based on my external output and it's very difficult i'm not i'm not speaking from a point where i'm there but it's something i recognize and and it's really hard to let go of but i am actively trying to because it doesn't it doesn't matter it's just noise you're talking to the guy who you know is coming from the one of the most vain cultures i think there is at least from a military perspective the army is a very vain culture because you literally wear on your uniform your resume like with tabs and badges and things and then you know we would have and maybe this is a civilian expression too but i learned it in the context of the army like you would like at least back in the day when i was when i was a young cadet and uh junior officer you like hang your awards on the wall behind you it's called like the i love me wall of all the cool things or you know gonna, all the plaques it's gonna do this real quick yeah 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 <laughs> and so like you would have like all these plaques or whatever and i i've got them like but i actually packed them away because i you know when we would move i would put them up and like and now it's like in the garage i've got a bunch of flags and stuff and down here in this room i've got uh some like commemorative prints and stuff that i've still got up but for a while it was like literally the entire i remember as a uh, like when addy and i first got married in the apartment that i was first like i had a room that literally was i put everything on the entire wall and so yeah like the resume and this is who i am and um it's been really hard for me in midlife to, to recognize that underneath all that the whole time was, was a Dana without those things. And that there still is right now. I'm just like, how the fuck do I get to know that guy? Uh, Because he's, he's always been there. He's the guy who does things like brings the goddamn owl in from the yard. Like I'm a goofball like that, yeah. that, that oh, goofball's always been there. It's a good <laughs> thing, but how do I, you know, embrace that and not, um, it, not, not just the, the silly stuff with the owl, but like who, who I am otherwise just as a person. So I'm really glad you're saying all this because the identity yeah, piece has been the hardest to set for me to separate in, at least in my own transition out of the military, but for all of us, military civilian, we're all caught up in a culture that's like, do, do, do. And like, mm-hmm you know, have your CV always ready. And, you know, what's the latest thing that you can put on there and God forbid you have a gap in employment history, you know, because then what did that mean? What does that say about you? Right. That says you don't know how to lie on your resume. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, for me, if I were going to put a resume, you know, it shows this downward mobility, like from army officer and elite unit to like assistant store manager at a big box store to running a nonprofit to like, warehouse jobs too. I work at Taco Bell right now. So, so what, like, what, what does that say about me? Maybe it says something good about me. Um, We talked about not working things out as you go on your, on your podcast, but here I am working out my own. own own I'll tell you something. If you want to, if you want to play with a brainstorm and this is, I I only say this because this is what I would probably ask if we, if you were on my show right now, just based on what you said. Uh, And I don't want you to answer this. Because okay. 
I don't know what the answer would be. And I, I think it's more of a reflective question. But when you think about the military guy with all the plaques, right? You think of that version, Dana. And then you think of the owl sitting next to you version, Dana. Yeah, yeah. I would question who was telling you not to be the owl version when you were growing up. Because <laughs> that's, I think that's like, yeah. there's a good starting point to start pulling shit apart. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a, yeah, that's a long and, and twisty road. So I, I encourage you to think about that, but don't dive in right now. I won't. Um, and what I'll say, but what I will say is I like how you worked in the who in the question. Well done. Well played. You, that's, <laughs> a, boots. Two more years of school. Um, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I ask, uh, and off the record doesn't matter, but yeah. which big box store? Did oh, you it was Lowe's. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I did a Best Buy for eight years. Oh my and, God. Uh, You're my hero. I made it like a month, a year and a half. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do retail. I remember my boss telling me when I, I, when I was resigning, he's like, yeah, you're not cut out. Re you're not cut out for retail. Like I wasn't a good enough person later on. I'm like, maybe, yeah. maybe that's a good thing. They wanted me on the sales floor so bad. And I just hate selling shit. Yeah. Um, and Cause I just, I'd rather just give you what you actually want. Like, I don't want to be like, no, are you sure you don't need this 70 inch TV for your bedroom? Right. Um, so that I ended up being in the warehouse. So I was, I did warehouse and, and merchandising supervisor there. And then uh, that's how I got like the job I have now, which is more warehouse logistical stuff. So it's, it's yeah, I, it's a funny thing. Sales is like, oh, you people like you, you got a personality. You should sell yeah. them shit they don't need. Like what? But no, that's, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> it, it is, but. But good for you for sticking with who you are, though, because that was what I part of, you know, the process for me was like, I, this is not, I, I was like, I care about people more than profits. And that's why I left to go to the nonprofit side of things, because I was like, I can't, I can't force myself to cut, you know, hourly associates uh, hours just to protect my bonus check. Yeah. Right. It just wasn't, it, that's, that's part of corporate America and I get it, but it just wasn't who I wanted to be. And so kudos to you for, for honoring that and for what you're doing now. Tell me about what you're doing now, because you've got a lot of irons in the fire, but oh, you know, man. what is it that you're transitioning to <laughs> next or that you're currently working on that you're passionate about? Cause you've got a lot of passions. I, uh, I do have a lot of passions <laughs> and you know, that's kind of what put me on the track that I'm on now. Cause my whole life I tried to, I don't even, I, I loosely say tried after talking to people that have been successful in areas that I'm passionate about. I'm like, Oh, I never actually tried. I thought I did. But when you talk to people that have actually put in the effort, you're like, Oh, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> so like I, I play music right in, in my late teens, early twenties. Like I tried to do something with that. I went out to LA for a couple of years and um, never did, never amounted to anything. Like, and I continue, like I still, I'm looking at a wall of guitars behind me. Um, but I never like did anything that I could like build a career off of. And when I talk to people that have, they're like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I spent every weekend in my, when I was 21, I spent every weekend practicing eight hours a day with my band. I was like, Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't have done that. Like I would have been yeah. like, all right, let's play guitar for an hour and then let's go, I don't know, get fucking high or something. Like, <laughs> when I was 21, are you kidding me? And, but that's what it is. Like, you can find success and stuff you're passionate about, but it takes a level of work that you might not even be able to comprehend. If you told me at 21 that like, that's how you spent your weekend. 
I don't think I would have had the mental capacity to like even wrap my head around that. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't sound right. Like, I, I don't trust that person. Um, and but those are the people that are successful. And yeah. so the stuff that I've been passionate about, I accepted, you know, probably a decade ago that like it's going to be a hobby. It doesn't necessarily I can't make money off it or something like that. Well, you know, I played plenty of shows, um, cover sets at bars and made, I still made an album and like still enjoy it. But I, I know in my heart, I'm not going to like be playing stadiums and shit. Yeah. Um, and when I started my podcast, I started talking to people because that's what the show is. And, <laughs> and uh, based on all, because at that point, when I started the podcast in 2019, I'd already had like five years of therapy. And when I say five years, I mean like once a week therapy, five yeah. years. Okay. Um, and changed and overcome and grew a lot and continue to. And um, it almost bums me out when I hit a wall in therapy where I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't think there's anything I need to work on. And then I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, I, cause I like, <laughs> I like that constant growth. Uh, yeah. And so I found all the stuff that I had been taking in through my own therapy, I was able to use and manifest into instincts and questions to ask people as they're telling me their own story. And I started getting these little moments when I'm talking to people where you, you see their, their eyes kind of glaze over, not in like a, their board way, but you just ask them something um, or pointed out something that they'd never thought about. And it's, yeah. it's not something like that happened yesterday. It's something that happened when they were like 10 years old yeah. or it's something like how they feel about their dad that passed when they were 16. Um, and there, there's this moment of pause and I call them light bulb moments where you yeah. just kind of see something gears start working that haven't turned before. And I got so much joy out of that. Uh, Cause I know what that's like for myself when those moments would happen in, in therapy and it, I, I, it energizes me. I get so excited about just kind of self-discovery um, introspection. And when I realized I could give that to someone else, the uh, light bulb <laughs> came on for yeah. me where I was like, Oh, this is, this is what a therapist does for people. And not, you know, not everybody, unfortunately, but you know, uh, that's the yeah. general idea hopefully is that you can, help people, you know, find those tools within themselves to, to grow and, and change. And so that's when I decided like, oh, I can be a therapist. And at this point I was going to community college for 10 years. Cause I, I went initially, I was going to, was like, I'll get an associate degree in business administration. Cause that's general. I can use that. Yeah. And then I just kept going every like six to nine months, I'd sign up for a couple classes to defer student loans because I'm working at Best Buy and I can't afford it. Um, yeah. Which the irony there is like, you're taking out more student loans to defer the student loans. <laughs> no, that's... Um, so then that I finally, sense. yeah, I, I was like, all right, well, this is something that I can go to a university for because that's, I never got my bachelor's because I didn't want to take out the money for a degree that I didn't really care about there sure. was never anything like i was like gotta get that fucking theater degree like i was never that person um yeah so the only reason i did my undergrad is because you need it to go to grad school so i finished that um well first i finished the prereqs at occ because i had avoided some like math classes and shit mm -hmm. um the community college and then that all happened that was happening during covid um or like the tail end of 2019 and then into the into covid and then i 
enrolled at Oakland University here in Rochester, Michigan, and got my undergrad there. I just finished that in the summer, this past summer, and started awesome. grad school awesome. in September. So I it's the first time, too, this is kind of important, um, my interest has not waned at all in the end goal. And that is not true. If you have known me for any number of years, you will find out very quickly that I'll get super excited about something and couple months later i'll be like yeah like i just like the playing guitar and playing music right like yeah. there were times when i would probably commit that time but a few weeks later i just wouldn't want to do it uh yeah and this is my it's, i've only gotten more excited as time's gone on and so that's that's my big passion is kind of helping people find those light bulb moments and i'm going to hopefully do that uh, as, a, as a therapist so that's what, what I'm doing. That's the track I'm on now. It's awesome. Tell, tell me also about the role that writing plays in your life, because I know you've done <laughs> a lot of that and are, and are trying to do more of that as well. So writing, I've always, I've always written, um, you know, I wrote songs and I would, what I guess he would just call journal when I, from the point when I was like 15 till now, uh, when I was a teenager in like early twenties, I would be like the loner in the coffee shop at like 11 30 12 o'clock at night and just like doing two three pages of random stuff which looking back now i'm like oh i was actually like working out stuff yeah uh and at the time i was just thinking like oh i'm bitching about my dad or something yeah. um and i i always enjoyed it and when i would do writing that i would have to do for school or like creative writing um people would compliment it but i never thought very highly of myself in any way and had still have huge imposter syndrome in in all things yeah. and it wasn't until i one of the interviews i did was with my friend katie who i never met before uh, she's a girl i worked with at a restaurant when i was 21 it's her sister and so i'd never met her before she's like but you have to interview my sister she uh just wrote a book and i was like okay <laughs> and i did and uh we became fast friends and she invited me to do writing practice, which is, you know, timed writing prompts um, that you both write and read, um, which is one of the more powerful things of writing is reading, you're writing out loud. Ah. And that really lit the fire for me to do something with, with writing and realize that I, I had stories I wanted to tell. And I always, and if you've ever heard my podcast, you've probably heard me talk about it because I talk about it too much. It's probably the most, the thing I edit out most is uh, I lived in Los Angeles for a couple of years <laughs> and it was the most self-destructive period of my life. Mm. Um, but it also like, there's a lot of really fucking good stories. You know, yeah. I, I worked on TV shows and movies and like, uh, just, I mean, I won't get into all the toxic shit but it's it was yeah. it was just a crazy time and i've always wanted to write about it and i struggled with that initially because i was like who cares you know uh mm. jump back to imposter syndrome but also like realistic question i think you might need to ask yourself if you want to write something for an audience is like who cares you know yeah. <laughs> what's the yeah. point and so i struggled to even get started but i talked to katie about how i wanted to do this and then she she was like well who are you writing it for and this goes back to the audience question I was like well I, I don't know what are my options right <laughs> she's like well are you writing it you know 
for sober people? Are you writing it for, uh, well, she started listening to people. She's like, are you writing it for yourself? I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> I can just write it for myself. Like I didn't really comprehend that I could be the audience, um, for who I write it. And once I was kind of given that permission, I just started busting out chapters and chapters and chapters. Nice. So this, uh, this July, I think July. Yeah, it's been God. It's been too long. <laughs> I I finished my first draft uh, of the book, and now I have to go back and like read it and edit it. And that's actually been like it's, the big struggle. I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's a big deal. You know, like I did a, a degree in creative writing, and like it's it's hard. <laughs> Just get for me getting it down on paper is the hard part because I'm the guy that can't go more than a, a sentence without editing that sentence. Like I, I need to be the person like you that gets it all down and then yeah. goes back and edits. Like I have a hard time uh, doing that. We so, are like opposite people. I, yeah. I, I'll give you I could write you four novels and but if you want me to go back and like read what I wrote. <laughs> I mean, this is living proof. It's what it's the second week of September, and I finished this in July. I haven't gotten past like chapter four of reading it because uh, everyone I talk to read it through without editing, just like read it through. Uh, you know, yeah. you might be able, you might make and some I notes, can't. like, um, but, and I can't even like read through it. And I think part of it, this was happening the entire time I was writing it, and with most stuff that I write. I want someone to read it before I do and tell me it's worth pursuing. Ah. <laughs> I want that validation beforehand, um, which is stupid and unhealthy, but I still want it. And it's a, uh, well, the opposite version of stupid and unhealthy is mine, which is I want it to be perfect before I show it to anybody else. And, you know, like even when I do show it to them, I'm still going to have the imposter yeah. syndrome, even though it's as perfect as I can make it. So yeah, we're, we're very, different in some ways, but still very similar in others. Cause when you said, you know, the, Oh, I'll start a project. And then two months later, be like, eh, that's, that's what I thought. Maybe this, this podcast was going to be, yeah. it was like, well, yeah, I'm newly server. Yeah. It's cool to do a podcast. And then like by, you know, the summer it'll be whatever, but yeah. you know, have still kind of gone and doing it. What's kept you going with your, with your podcast. Cause let's, you know, tell me more about the show and, and what, what I, gives you that spark and that drive to keep going that you haven't lost interest in it? Uh, I love it. Um, it's so, so many, there's a lot of things. Um, and my wife will actually get upset with me because I, I'll get stressed out about the show and it's not yeah. like we have a measurable stream of income coming in from it or anything. She's like, right. There's like, there's been times I've been super stressed out about getting something out on time. Cause like, that's my biggest thing is like consistency. Like consistency. Say you're getting an episode every Monday. You're getting a fucking episode every Monday. Right. I right. Care if I have to work at 6am on Monday morning and it's like three 30 Sunday night and I'm still editing. Like, I don't care. You're getting a fucking episode. Yep. Um, yeah. Similar. So, and she'll just be like, just don't put out an episode this week. And like, no, like there's some narrative in my mind where it's like, everyone's counting on me. Right. Um, and I had that oh, when I had, you know, 10 downloads, I was still like, no, it's like, uh, I do the non-alcoholic beer reviews and I do those every week. And if you, you can go to my fucking YouTube channel and see, like some of them have four reviews, like no one actually cares if yeah, I put right. that out or not, but it's, I, <laughs> I'm like, no, I have to, um, this exact and, same. <laughs> so the, the podcast that that's when I started it, I was like, I, it, it just, felt really good um and the first 
I'd say the first like few months were really easy and great because first of all, I've never asked anybody to be interviewed, right? So my my yes rate is through the roof of people doing it. Yeah. And everybody has these incredible stories. Um, and the, obviously the first people I sought out were the people that were very vocal about their lives online. And so I knew like, oh, they've gone through this trauma or whatever, and they're comfortable talking about it. So like the first few episodes, there's some crazy stories. Um, and I got to be this platform for these people to share them. And, and I thought I was good at editing that stuff. And mm -hmm. I list that's like what I listened to. And I thought it was important to get a show that wasn't, you know, celebrities talking about like not discounting anybody's trauma, but sometimes it's nice to hear just like this guy that works at Best Buy that yeah going through some shit. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed the opportunity it gave me to sit down and talk to people and hear about their lives. And um, I got to practice creating this space. There's this book. It's somewhere back there, but it's <laughs> my friend, uh, Sarah, who I think was like episode six. She gave me this book is essentially how to create like a safe space. And it's, it's, she got it when she was doing yoga and Reiki um, instructing. And I, read through it and I really like took it to heart. And so I wanted to create, cause I knew, I knew my first few guests, like we're going to be talking about some hard shit and yeah. that can be uncomfortable to sit there and listen to. Um, and especially untrained, completely untrained. I like, I didn't know where to pry, how to pry, like what, to, right. so, uh, I wanted to create some environment where I was just listening and I found it was really rewarding. And like I mentioned, those those light bulb moments that people were getting, I I became like kind of obsessed with those. And I, at the same time, it was detrimental if I had an interview that I felt like that didn't happen, right? Like, yeah. not to say their story wasn't good, but like I wasn't able to provide anything for them um, that uh, made them okay. like think about it. And I was like, oh, like, and in my mind, I'd be like, oh, people aren't going to like that episode, which is, again, never been proven to be true. But uh, it, it kept me going just to hear the stories and there's plenty of times i was like no nah, i can't can't get an interview um i get told no six times for every one yes if not mm -hmm. more like i get a lot of no's and i again circling back to why i don't like sales like i don't like getting told no yeah. i'm not someone that bounces back and be like all right next person like, right <laughs> i'm like i just get like uh i don't okay i don't want to like i just get real down on myself uh when i get the nose and yeah so and ghosting talked about that in the beginning that really fucked with me it still does um yeah and because that you know i use facebook and instagram and stuff to book guests and you can see when they've read the message so yeah right if it's like damn you facebook and instagram for yeah 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 and <laughs> <laughs> not to like really get in the weeds here but it'd be people you know like thursday they're commenting on some fucking picture i posted and friday i'm like hey blah blah, blah podcast i see they saw the message and they just never respond nothing it's like nothing we're, we're like quote unquote friends right whatever facebook friends are and that's like the question i never actually answered and then yeah you comment like we interact but then i'm like hey 
I'm not even asking you to be vulnerable. I'm asking you if you're open to the possibility yeah. of being vulnerable and you don't even respond. And that happened, still happens so much. Um, and maybe not like so much, but enough to like, and then I can name those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then add into that the nose. There's just times where I don't, I didn't want to keep making it. Um, and that one of those times was in June of 2020. And you, that's where that's what started like me taking the summer off initially is that first mm -hmm. season I did that. And then I was traveling for work at the time. I had all these interviews booked up um, on the road, like people that have moved to different places and I happened to be there for work. So I set up interviews and travel got canceled because, uh, you know, uh, coronavirus happened and yeah. I had to cancel all these interviews and I was still kind of on my high horse about how to do it. So I would, I didn't want to do anything on zoom yet up to that point. I'd done everything in person. I thought it was really important to do it in person because, um, you know, it's much easier to read people, yeah. see if they're uncomfortable, you know, like we've discussed stuff like sexual abuse and stuff. I, I don't want to, you know, talk to a zoom camera that might be like slightly frozen and be like, what, what was that about rape? Like, right. That's not appropriate or comfortable or, so I really didn't want to do that. And then even when I decided I would do Zoom interviews, I couldn't get people, kept getting no's. And mm. so I, I was pretty down on myself about it. I was like, I, instead of like, I wasn't going to stop the podcast. I was just like, I'm going to take summer off. Fuck it. It's pandemic. Everyone's kind of fucked right now. <laughs> take yeah. summer off. And ended up doing like the six month alcohol episode. Um, I think, yeah. No, well, I guess I did that earlier in the year, but I did some special episodes. I did like a COVID-19 follow-up where I talked to some people um, that I'd interviewed and been like, how are you dealing with all of this? Uh, I did something on uh, racism and Black Lives Matter. And um, so a couple like special episodes, which opened up my my ideas for what to do during the regular season. So then when I did come back, I'd connected with a therapist and had them on. Um, once a month to discuss specific topics and kind of started planning ahead of time. And that's, I mean, that's the trick. Like you're talking about editing and getting this out yeah. the same day. And <laughs> I know that struggle and I get so excited when I'm like 10, 10 in the can, right? You got 10 interviews done. You can, you can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> but then if you're anything like me, those 10 weeks will just go by and you'll be like, I don't need to book anything. Yep. I got 10 already. And then all of a sudden you're like, I got four. Well, I got two. Oh, fuck. Um, I got up and, to four. I didn't make it to 10. I got up to about four. And then now I'm down to where today I'm like, oh crap, I've got, I've only got one in the can. And I'm like, yeah. I started yeah. the whole show with eight or 10. I was awesome. like, I know, awesome. I know I have to do this before I start it. Cause, but and same thing this season, right? Like I have, I'm good through mid November, but I also, other than you, I don't have anybody else, but, <laughs> uh, and I've made like no, uh, effort to do so. And that's like on my little to-do list. Um, cause it's yeah, but you've also to... got a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and it's, yeah, good but that it's you really that easy to send a message. Yeah. Like, but hey, sometimes uh... I can't bring myself to send to do, I, I've been in a period lately where I have had a hard time just doing something very simple like that. And I'm like, yeah. Dana, you used to do stuff that was so incredibly difficult in so many ways. And you can't sit and type a 30 second message to somebody yeah. and press send. And I'm like, I can't 
I can't make myself do it. And maybe that says something and like, I'm trying to think about that. Dana, what is your body trying to tell? What is your body and brain trying to tell you? So maybe, yeah. maybe that's something like, but, but I'm the same way. I, I'm very similar to you where I'm like deadline, like, damn it. I said, and on my owl is blocking the, uh, Oh, I'm going to ask you a lot me. of questions about that whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of shit going on on that light on that whiteboard. It's a lot of stuff about the podcast, but like one of the things is just the schedule. And I'm like, no, it's, it's Friday, September 9th. And I wanted to publish an episode today. And so when you booked for today, I was like, fuck yeah. Like I can still publish an episode yeah. today. I know I'm that published. feeling. <laughs> but when you took the break though, you did a, a great thing for yourself. And then this summer you did a series called self-care summer. So, so tell me about uh, that. Yeah, the last two summers I've done, uh, I've decided last summer to do, uh, I was going to stop the interviews. Well, I mean, not really, but I was going to stop the normal season interviews Yeah. and have a, because I took, I was like, well, I took, you know, last June, July, August off. So maybe I'll do the same thing, but I'll do like a little special series for the summer. So that way, because part of it is more right like i don't want listeners to like haven't heard from this fucking podcast in three months and <laughs> right so i decided last summer to do an entrepreneur series where i just talked to people that had small businesses or were starting out and specifically focusing on the like the questions we don't ask like who supported you when you started this mm -hmm. how'd you get the startup money like because a lot of people don't want to talk about like Oh, I came from a privileged family and like my dad gave me 25 grand to start this company. They want us, they just want to hear like the, like you in bro, here's what we got. we got this new thing coming in. Like, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, but what about that shitty part before you got there? Right. Right. Like, that transition period where you're working at Lowe's or Best Buy, and then you are, you know, selling some shit on Etsy and yeah. where's the, where's the point where you turn that into like, this is my job now. Yeah. And how does that work? logistically that was very interesting to me so I, I interviewed a bunch of people about that um and that that was rewarding i liked that and i still got to do the interviews it was just like a little more thematic and so this summer i decided to do something similar and i'll tell you <laughs> i might have mentioned this uh, in one of my episodes too but i thought it was gonna be so fucking easy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh yeah. I'd taken a podcasting class as part of my undergrad because they offered it. And I was like, oh, I could probably just ace this. And and yeah. I did. But it was it was also much more about narrative um, storytelling podcast. And so I learned yeah. a bunch of new techniques. And I was like, oh, this is really interesting. How can I incorporate this in my show? And that's where if you listen to the self-care summer series, it has a lot of like well, sound effects. And, and there's transitional yeah. periods. Like a lot. That's all stuff based on what I learned uh, about narrative storytelling podcasts. And so I, my idea was like, I'm going to pick these, you know, 10, 12 topics and going to interview people that are experts in that area. People are, you know, in my mind, everyone that is on Instagram posting like nine times a day about their business or whatever would be more than happy to talk to me on a podcast. And it's going to be easy. Editing's going to be easy. Everything's going to be easy. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever worked so hard on a fucking podcast than I did on the summer series. Um, yeah. A getting guests, but then B like once I did one episode and it was edited the way I liked it. And I had the transitions, which I had to like script out everything that I was saying and like, yeah. 
I transcribed all my interviews so I could cut them up and place them where they needed to go. I was like, well, I got to do the rest of them like this now. <laughs> so then oh, was- no. Yeah. Cause I listened to the first one and it's really, it's really polished the one on water. And like, oh, yeah. And that's like, yeah. that's the worst of all of them. <laughs> so but well, then I got to listen to the rest yeah. of them because yeah, like I was thinking as I'm listening, I'm like, God, he's got some, this is, this is fucking polished, man. Like, well, I, I, just, I, it's awesome. Being in college, I have access to um, peer reviewed journals. So, I did all my, I did all my like actual research with peer reviewed journals. I didn't do any bullshit USA Today articles. Like it's all, it's all like heavily researched stuff that I cited. And yeah. Um, and it was all, it's all scripted. And like my Patreon subscribers, I put the transcripts up there so people can read through them if they wanted to use them for that. But cool. Cause it's, it's all, I wanted it to be useful information. I didn't want it to be fluffy, like take a fucking bubble bath type self care bullshit. Yeah. Um, and I wanted it to be quality and that all I I'm glad I had those expectations of me, but damn, it was, it was a lot more than I anticipated. I was looking forward to like, I'm not going to do much for the podcast this right, summer. Right. Instead, like <laughs> shit, man, I did a lot. Uh, it's the price was, you pay for having standards, you know, like it really, is. it is, <laughs> but in uh, helped transition into this season because a there was a digital detox episode and i was like this seems like a good excuse to not do an episode for a week and that's what (laughs) i did i took a week off um and i did it specifically like i didn't post on social media i i I did a you know an actual digital detox and i prompted it with an episode about doing digital detox nice and then I was thinking about how stressed out I was already about this fall semester and, and how busy I'm going to be. And even though I had episodes recorded, I, you know, six, eight, whatever I had recorded at the time, I was still like, I still got to record all the other ones, you know, for the rest of the season. And I was like, well, I just talked about self-care. Maybe I could actually put that into use. And that's, I decided this season, I'm just going to do every other week. I'm going to do an episode. It's not yeah. every weekly. Um, and kind of set that boundary with with my listeners and people were really responsive and positive and good for you and everybody kind of understands because people that have been listening to the show all along or even the last like year or so uh, have kind of followed me on this journey of discovering what I want to do for a career and going back to school even though I was going back to school in quotes because I've been (laughs) in some form of school for forever yeah screw you student loans Um, (laughs) And it's, it's been really great to a get the responses and then B to like, from a number standpoint, still be able to watch the show grow. Like usually the summer is kind of like a dump time and that's not to say anything about the guests that I have, but like, you know, it's not the normal show. If you tune in for a specific, like you're going to interview this person about their life from, you know, birth to now. And, um, then you might come to the summer and be like, these are fine but whatever uh and it didn't happen like that it just the show stayed steady and like grew some too and now you know two weeks in for one episode out for the fourth season it's growing still and that's encouraging to see since i you know it's hard to set that boundary it's hard to step away a little bit because you're worried that like oh if i you know if i don't if I don't give the people what they want. Right, right, right. What they think of me. Um 
and to have the confirmation of like oh no it's cool like a a lot of people might just respect you for taking care of yourself you yeah. know look pretty weird if i was like practice self-care for 12 weeks and then i was like but not me um yeah and to see that the the people are still you know tuning in people still want to hear stories um it, it means a lot so well i commend you at. for it and um like I, what else would you want to share the way I've closed? Cause I, I, the LaCroix that I've had during this episode has run through me and I got to yeah. get oh, ready to you. take one yeah. of the kids to the, <laughs> I got to get one of the uh, kids to a, a soccer game here in a little bit. But what I've asked in uh, we're coming towards the end of my season two um, I've done about 90 day seasons. You know, I was going to do a year and then I was like, God, I'm doing so many episodes and then I, ah, I'll just, I'll just call this the end of season one. And I started season two go. and That's actually perfect. started with, with Katie Mack as a, as a guest. And I'm glad that that led to um, her suggesting that I reach out to you. And I'm so grateful to you again for taking the time to of do course. this and to have me on, on your show soon when you're busy with so many other things. But if you had to, you know, digest everything that we've talked about, or just something that you would want to communicate to whoever's listening, um, you know, what, what's the, the way I phrased it this season is if you had 30 seconds left in your life to just say something to the world, what would that be? I know it's kind of a big question, but just what would, what would the one thing that you would want people to take away be? Uh, I know you said earlier, you're like, ah, it doesn't really matter. This stuff isn't really on my going to be like, this isn't my epitaph or anything. It doesn't really yeah. matter what the guy from high school thinks about <laughs> me, but what would you want to say if you had that one opportunity and that one opportunity was now? I, mean, I would just say, to be curious about yourself. Uh, I think this is sobriety leaning or, or focused. And I think in all things, especially underlined twice, especially in sobriety, um, we need to be introspective. And if we spend too much time on the external, whether that be things around us or what other people think about us, um, it can really put a stop on personal growth and personal growth does never stop it yeah. evolves and changes as you grow older but it, it never stops so be curious about yourself i think that just might be the title of the episode because i was sitting here thinking like we've talked about so many good things like what am i going to title this episode i think there it is justin lamb thank you so much for being uh sharing your time with al and me and uh we'll <laughs> Uh, look forward to coming on your show soon. Again, if uh, you're listening or watching, uh, go check out Justin's show. It's called Friend Request. And uh, you'll know it's the one that's got the thumbs up, like a like thing. Yeah. Because uh, there are a couple yeah. of other shows with that name, but yours, I think, is the first one that pops up in Apple Podcasts. And yeah, there's only one other that should still be on there. And it's from two stand up comedians from like seven years ago. So that's right. It was the one other <laughs> one. And yeah. And so it's a, so the only one that's current and it's the only one that matters. Friend request with Justin <laughs> Lane. Thanks so much. Thank um, you. Yeah. Well, we'll close this episode as we always do by saying, uh, Al and I will, and Justin will say goodbye, alcohol, Mwah. and Mwah. hello, life. See you, later. See, you later. see you later. Um, hey man, this was fun.